Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. In our new series called A Thrill of Hope, like, man, I love the song, but I did us all a favor by making sure we didn't sing it in church because we all hit that one note, and you know the note that I'm talking about where everybody's going to be singing super high, and you're going to realize, like, oops, that was too high for me. I probably shouldn't have done that. I'm in public, and people are around me. But I absolutely, positively love that song so very much. And throughout these next three weeks, and concluding on Christmas Eve, together as all three campuses come together on Christmas Eve, we're going to be taking a look at some of the lyrics and the lines from this song, because this song is actually very much rooted in Scripture. You know, there's other Christmas songs like Frosty the Snowman and uh, Christmas, all the Christmas tree songs, there's, what, three of them, if not more, that have absolutely nothing to do with Scripture. But then we have the other songs, and they're all condensed and called Christmas carols for some reason. But some are about Christ, and others have nothing to do with anything. They can be fun, they can be playful, you always have the sleigh bells going with all of them. But we take a look at some of these lyrics, and we're going to dive in with in just a moment. But I want to share or ask you guys a question, really, about growing up. I'm assuming you all grew up at some point, some of you more than others, right? But you had rules in your house, yeah? You had rules that you had to abide by. Some rules that you may have understood then, or if you're like a typical child, you have no idea why you have the rules that you have. And you start to realize as you get older, oh, that rule made sense. Or now, you know, for those of you who are parents, you might have those same rules. And then some rules are spoken, some rules are clear, and then there's other rules that you don't discover are rules until it's a little bit too late. So like growing up, we had a pool. And one of the rules with the pool was don't swim without an adult present. That was for obvious reasons for anybody who understands how water works. You understand the significance of making sure a child who is in third, fourth, fifth grade is not swimming by themselves. Um, because if anything were to happen, somebody's there. But then other times there's unspoken rules, like the time that I got gum in my sister's hair. Didn't know it was a rule until afterwards, and I'm getting in trouble. And that was my introduction to Goo Gone, and uh, that very much helps. My parents are here uh, visiting this weekend, so they're definitely laughing. If you want more of that situation, I'm sure they have a different perspective than I do. Just a little bit. Ironically, I'm the one without hair, so jokes on my sister. But see, the reason why there's these things that parents and even just adults place rules in our lives and they're there at our work, probably for a little different reason than why our parents give us them, though, right? I don't think your boss loves you. They might. Um, I know my boss loves me, but that's uh, Pastor Jordan and what's not to love, right? So parents have these rules in your house because they love us, because they love your children. They love the house. They love everything. They want to make sure that these things are set in place to guide us and get us started on the right path. Do you guys all remember a rule that even maybe now you don't understand why your mom or dad had that as a rule, but you had all these rules for a reason? And rules are very similar to laws. And in your house, chances are there wasn't really any difference, right? Like your mom or dad, they laid down the law of the land. You might have even used that phrase. Listen, you're in my house, my rules. And then everybody moves out. 
So we look at this, this final verse of O Holy Night. This is one of those songs that, if you sing it, like many other Christmas carols, you know the first verse. You know the chorus. You probably know the second verse. But when you get to a point where there is a fourth verse, that's when you're Googling it, when your family is gathering, you're like, I hope I know this. I've never seen those words before in my life. I do that to this day sometimes. So we look at some of this, and here's what it says. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. That could be a tongue twister. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. And all of this, if you're a Bible reader, if you're familiar with what the Word of God says, you could probably think of a lot of scriptures that is being immediately referenced in this verse. But I really today want to take a focus on that second line there, where his law is love and his gospel is peace. There's so much power in Scripture that is heavily rooted in this one line. So as we take a look at this Christmas series called A Thrill of Hope, we're leading to the hope that we have in Christ this Christmas season. See, as uh, you saw, we have Christmas Eve that we're going to be coming together for. There's invitations that you can grab there on our Welcome Center. Um, you started to see some of the changes that were happening. We see decorations. My wife and Julie, who are both not here this weekend for a wedding, and my son is sick, um, they helped decorate this entire place. They got to see the tree and do some of that stuff, which has been awesome. But as we get together to celebrate Christmas, we want you to invite your friends and your family who might not always go to church, who might not even know what the true hope and meaning is of Christmas. There's invitations that are out at that Welcome Center. Grab some, invite somebody to church. We're going to be gathering together at the Kinsman Campus with the Warren, which is today's their first preview service, which is so awesome. I'm so proud of Pastor Andrew and that team. But then our campus and the Kinsman Campus to all come together, two identical services at 3.30 and 5 o'clock, so you can make it home for uh, dinner on Christmas Eve with your family. And it all starts with this law of love. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it talks about the greatest commandment. And the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. When we think about this in the sense, we really get to understand that law really is about love. What other law is telling you to love somebody? It's not saying romantically, but it's saying in the way that we show our efforts to display who Christ is to others. It first starts with how we love God. His law is love. The greatest commandment, the first that is given, we see this here in Deuteronomy, is love the Lord your God with all of your heart. See, sometimes when we think about a command, we think of a strict or stern situation. If you're a computer programmer, you might think of something you have to type before you hit enter for something to happen. But we think of something where you have to follow it. You might have a positive connotation or a negative connotation. But see, when we look at this, God's flipping that script and saying, you must love. You can't have a negative connotation about such a positive thing. You have to first, before we even begin to step into the rest of it, learn to love the Lord our God. 
with all our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And that's the beginning of what it means where his law is love. Because sometimes God is commanding us to love him with everything within us. And sometimes we get distracted by life, and we miss over this thing. It's not that we unintentionally say, I'm not going to love God today. But sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we're not actually showing God love and how we're talking to somebody. Because the moment we talk down to somebody is the moment we're not showing God love. And if we're in a season as Christians, walking into what's supposed to be one of the happiest, holiest, most joyful seasons of our lives, but everybody else is filled with joy, should we not have that much more? When we're commanded, when his law is love, we are supposed to show tenfold what everybody else is. Because if somebody who doesn't know Christ can show love and can show joy, should we not exceed that? Because we know the joy that we have in the Lord. And there is no greater joy than in knowing him and in loving him. But I also don't think that we could take a look at Deuteronomy without really taking a look at the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, if you're in this room and you've been a believer for some time, you've heard this story many, many times. We're not going to spend the rest of the day on the story, but I really want to take a look at what the Scripture says here. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And we see here, where it says, Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, this is to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. Well, what is written in the law? Jesus asked. How do you read it? The man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus took up this question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. And he went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. And then Jesus said, go and do the same. So we take a look at the problems of today. Because we can't. We can't ignore what we're facing today. Yet somehow as Christians, sometimes as individuals, we can get caught up in the wars and the things that are kind of placed in front of us. The battles, the conversations, the conflicts that we see. 
See, the thing is, in this year, there's been far too much division and a lack of peace in our world in 2021. See, whether you're getting a vaccine or not determines the way we show respect to another person. I don't care what side you're on. I want to see how we treat each other. That's what God is asking us to do. Something like that should not determine the way we treat each other, the way we talk to each other, the way we show respect to another person. And as Christians, we are called to live by a higher standard to show others the level of respect that God is asking us to, despite their personal choices. All it takes is for a poorly worded social media post to write somebody out of our lives. Now, let's be honest, this is a year where there's been more than one social media post by more than one person that we know that has put us in a place where we're saying, you know what, I lost respect for this person. Because there's been so many controversial issues, I can't even count them on my hand, that has taken place this year alone. And chances are the 10 I would name could differ greatly from the 10 you could name because there's been that many moments of conflict in our world today. And the second that gas prices reach something astronomical, we're quick. I'm not saying people in this room, but I'm saying we as an individual, as a nation, as a culture, are quick to point fingers and say, see, I told you so, as opposed to saying, see, how can I help you? And we've seen how public court cases create battlegrounds where nations, and dare I even say churches, begin to pick sides while having no mercy or understanding for the other. See, that is not what we're called to do as Christians. That is not what we're called to do as followers of Christ. But instead, we are called to share the hope and the love of Jesus in all moments, in all situations. You're entitled to your opinion. I'm not trying to change your opinion or change your beliefs. And that's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to do is say, listen, as a church, we are entitled to help each other to following Jesus and showing the love. And that's what the scripture says. I know I've said this all the time. Iron sharpens iron. And sometimes we need to help each other out and saying, hey, We need to love this person better. Hey, we need to love this group of people differently. We need to show them the love of Christ in a way that they are going to receive the love of Christ. We don't change the message of Christ, but we change the way that we communicate his truth and his love. Because in a year of separation and division, we can live in a peace and display God's love. In a year of separation and division, we can display and we can live in peace and display God's love to every single person. But if we are commanded to love, how can we be okay with these things? How can we be okay with the things that I feel I'm convicted about, that even I feel convicted that God is saying to me, but how can I be okay then with how somebody else is not sharing in that same conviction? And that's where we ask God for grace and we ask him for mercy. Because how can we take delight in our relationship with Christ when we can't even get along with others who know Christ, yet alone don't know Christ? See, when there's conflict in the body, the body's never going to be able to introduce somebody else. Because why would somebody want to step into a faith where people are at odds with each other? This Christmas season, in a year of chaos, in a year of division, church, we have an opportunity to be the example. And we can let Rock of Grace in Cortland be that center point in Trumbull County for what it means to love others the way Jesus wants us to love them and put away our differences. That these last 
four or five weeks of this year, we can continue to see people in this community turn their lives to Christ by the way we love on them. You know, a couple weeks ago, we were able to spend some time distributing some of the meals that many of you have contributed towards for Thanksgiving, and the gratitude and thankfulness in so many people's faces and eyes. There were moments of prayer and moments of uh, awkwardness also in between, but to be able to have that moment is a critical element of showing love when sometimes it can be hard, when sometimes it can be challenging. Do you know what has happened because the church has for so many years actually lived in contradiction to this? There's a new, I don't want to say epidemic, there's a new movement that is going around right now. And it's the deconstruction of faith movement. And many of you are nodding your heads, which means I know you are familiar with this. And unfortunately what's happened is, because of the way at church, not, I'm not saying you again, but church, Christians across the nation have lived our lives We have created such conflict for people where they don't know what they believe, and they began to deconstruct and look at the core of what we believe, but really questioning, saying, well, the Bible says this, but this is what I was shown my entire life, and it's the opposite of it. See, there's nothing wrong with deconstructing at its core. It's looking at, why do I believe what I believe? And chances are, if you're in this room, at some point, it wasn't called deconstructing, but at some point, you had to make your own decisions about following Christ, yeah? And when you discover who Christ is, that's what they were doing. And that's what starts this process for many. But see, a lot of times what leads people to this moment is the way the church acts hypocritically, what Scripture says, in contradiction to what Scripture says. And it's led people to get to a point where, well, this is what the Bible says, but this is what the church does. Maybe this isn't what I want to be a part of, or maybe this isn't true, or maybe this isn't what it is. But see, church, we must reflect Christ's character, his word, his love. Because are we perfect? No. Are we going to mess up? Absolutely. Are we proud of it? No. But even when we mess up, we have a moment to show others who Christ is and the way that we repent and the way that we turn to God and say, you know what, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have acted in such a way. Maybe even now, you're a person in this room that's carrying church hurt, where maybe you've been hurt by a church leader, a pastor, a youth group leader, or whatever it is in your life, and all these moments can lead us. And if that's you, I want to firsthand say, I I am sorry that that was an experience you would have had in church, whether you're listening in line or you're in this room, because that's not who Christ is. Christ doesn't introduce hurt. Christ doesn't introduce pain. He introduced love, peace and healing. So after decades of people seeing contradictions within the church, what do we do? We make a decision to daily choose to show others that same love. We all have that part. It's not just up to me. It's not just up to you. It's up to all of us. As a body of believers, even outside of Rock of Grace, all the churches that are gathering right now this morning, in this moment, to say, I'm going to show the love of Christ. And the first step is loving God, followed by loving others. And when we love others, we are loving God. You see, the one and two are so closely tied together. Let me put it this way for us. I'm holding a glow stick. Dave, you can pass out some glow sticks. If you came to church today in person, you're going home with a glow stick, and you've never been more excited in your life, I am sure. Do you have a glow stick? 
Now take a look at this glow stick I have here on stage, right? Can you tell me if it's lit? No. Can you guys hit the lights? I'm going to kill the stage lights too. Sorry, we're still learning our lighting software. It's a new move for everybody. Is it lit now? Did I crack it between then and now? No, I am not an illusionist, nor do I claim to be. Let me just clarify that right now. And I think you could probably see this one online. You can keep the lights down for right now. So just a moment ago, I asked, was this lit? And the answer was pretty unanimous in saying, no. But how often does this represent us as Christians? How often does this represent my walk with Christ? Where we see and know that there's the love of Christ within us. You guys know the song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. So we know that as Christians, we've got the joy of the Lord. We've got his love in my heart. Within us. But how often are we in a place where even though this light is present, it is not visible? How often do we find ourselves in a place that is so noisy that there is so much going on that the light that is within us, the way that I'm walking, talking, living, just even where I'm at, prevents this light from being seen? Because you saw when all the lights were on in this room, you couldn't tell whether or not this was lit or not. And in fact, the majority consensus was it was not, unless you had an idea that I was going to tell you. Actually, it is. As Christians, may that not be us. I pray we never find ourselves at work, at a restaurant, when we're frustrated with our waiter or waitress. Or in a moment when Pastor Andrew and I are sitting at the movies and there's candy and popcorn literally being thrown over our heads. I wish that wasn't a true story, but it is. How do we let this light shine? May we never find ourselves as Christians, maybe not intentionally hiding because I wasn't hiding it from you. I had this out in the open. Nothing was hidden but it was also making sure that it wasn't seen. Until I asked our tech team to lower the lights, I didn't make sure that this was something you could actually tell the status of. You could tell that it was lit. For us as Christians, we need to do the same thing. We need to make sure that even though the light of Christ lives within us, that we are showing it to others, that we are being intentional with where we go with it, with how we use it. So that people can see it. I'm not saying you have to go and be boisterous about it. I'm not saying you need to go and wear a, a shirt. I had the shirt in middle school that said, your mama was pro-life. And I'm walking around my middle school hallways, and I'm getting a lot of great looks with that one, as you can imagine. Uh, some laughed, and some uh, others didn't laugh. They had choice words for it. But the thing is, <laughs> we need to be intentional with how we use these things, with how we use the light that is within us. You could turn those lights back up. Because the question is, what are we doing with this love? Romans 13.10 says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. 
So we look at this verse again, and it says, His law is love. We see that love does no wrong to a neighbor. I'm going to put this down because you know it's lit, but it really doesn't look lit right now. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. We aren't told to just sit back and bask in his love, but to love God with all of our heart. And part of displaying that love is by loving others. Romans is talking about doing no wrong to a neighbor, and we look at the scripture of the Good Samaritan, and we really get to understand who our neighbors are. Because just like when you move to a new house, a new apartment, wherever you're at, you don't get to choose who your neighbors are in most situations. But it's the same thing here. We don't get to pick and choose who's considered a neighbor in the eyes of God. Because if you're walking, you're breathing, you're talking, they're a neighbor. There's somebody that needs to hear his word, needs to see his love. Because in a year of separation and division, we can live in peace and display God's love. And church, this is what we are called to do, to display that law of love and the gospel that is of his peace. See, loving God goes hand in hand with his gospel, right? Gospel means, is anybody familiar with the, the short, exact answer what it means? is good news. Gospel means good news. And in this good news, it brings us closer to the one who is known, according to Isaiah 9-6, the prince of peace. We have the law of love, which brings us to the gospel of peace from the one who is called the Prince of Peace. The Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, it says that he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. He proclaimed peace, meaning he was preaching it, he was sharing it. He was sharing the way and reconciliation to God. That is what this peace is. A path to reconciliation, a path towards restoration, to know peace in eternity with Him. See, His law of love invites us to partake in the peace the gospel provides to us. That God is always with us. This is the message, the law of love and the gospel of peace that we are called to exemplify this Christmas season. In everything we do as followers of Christ, that we can show what this means because his law of love, it invites us to partake in this peace. The way that we live this law out, the way that we love God and love others begins to show a path towards restoration, the path towards Jesus, that we don't do this for any other way or any other reason than for others to see who he is. And we take a look back in Isaiah chapter 57, where God is addressing the Israelites, and they're divided at this moment. Let's take a look at what he says. He says, build it up, build it up, prepare the way, remove every obstacle from my people's way. For the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this. I live in a high and holy place, and with the oppressed and lowly of spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and revive the heart of the oppressed. For I will not accuse you forever, and I will not always be angry. For then the spirit would grow weak before me, even the breath which I have made. 
Because of his sinful greed, I was angry, so I struck him. I was angry and hid, but he went on, turning back to the desires of his heart. I have always seen his way, but I will, hear, I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating words of praise. The Lord says, peace, peace to the one who is far or near, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the storm-tossed sea, for it cannot be still. And, it, and its waters churns up mire and muck. And there's no peace for the wicked, says my God. See, the scripture is saying that he sees the wrongdoing of our lives. He sees those moments we mess up that we kind of wish nobody saw, including God. Those moments where I slipped up and said something I shouldn't have. I spoke poorly about another. Those moments where I even I think to myself, nobody's here, nobody's going to know. See, God sees these things, but he's saying that despite these things supposed to be separating you from me, I've provided a way towards healing. I've provided a way towards restoration. And he's providing those things ultimately to say peace. Peace to you. He was telling Israel that you have a choice here. You can receive my peace. Or you can walk in wickedness. You can walk away from the peace and the comfort that starts with the law of love. As we throw some music on in the background. See, to know God is to know his love. To know his love is to share his love. And in his love, we find his peace. I want to say that again. To know God is to know his love. And to know his love is to share his love. And in his love, we find his peace. As we look back at that verse, which says his law is love and his gospel is peace. I mean, this is one of the most important lines of the song. Because without these two things, we wouldn't have the rest. It started with that law back in Deuteronomy. But it continued. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's exemplified in Scripture. That's exemplified in who He is and how we can continue to love Him. So where do we go from here? The first is turning to Him and giving Him love. For those who are in our lives who don't know Christ, the way we love Him is that first step that leads those into a salvation, into learning to love God. Because it's a journey, right? I don't know if you remember the day you gave your life to Christ, but it's probably a different story than the person you're next to and others that were in this room. And my hope and prayer is that our love for Christ grows every day. So that my love for Christ today is stronger than my love for Christ yesterday. And if my love for Christ is stronger today, then my love for others should also be stronger today. Because as I grow to love him more, I should grow to love others more. So we look at that next part, the gospel of peace. His good news 
And maybe you're in this room and you're even struggling with peace right now. Maybe there's a situation in your family that's going on, something that's going on at work, that is causing you turmoil, challenges, strife, keeping you up late at night. My prayer for you through this holiday season is that you find that peace. You find that joy. You find that love. The other week, we looked at a scripture where it talked about, if you want to love life, you must follow my words. You must love me. And you can take a look at that. That's in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you weren't here the other day. You see, God wants us to love life. And the way we love life is by loving him, by loving others. And it begins to introduce and change who we are in the inside because we ask God to transform us to be more like him. So today I want to pray a prayer of blessing over each person that is in this room and each person that is joining us online or watching this later. Because I believe that God wants to use each and every one of you in a unique way this Christmas season. I'm not just saying that generalized or encompassed, but I truly believe that. Because we are in a world that is full of division, but this room represents the unity we have in Christ. And if you're in this room and you're claiming to know Christ, then I truly believe God wants to use you to share his love with somebody this holiday season. So if you just want to stand to your feet, And as I say this prayer, you're welcome to join in. You're welcome to pray at your seat and join in. And at the end of the prayer, it seems simple. We always conclude a prayer with the word, amen. Does anybody know what amen means? And if you're not, let me share with you. It means so be it. So be it. It's a term of agreement. That's why, if you notice, whenever I conclude a prayer, I say, everybody says, if I just say it, I'm the only one agreeing with what's happening in the moment. There's power in prayer. There's power in agreeing as a congregation. So I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you guys. That God will use you. That if you're in this room and you're struggling with finding peace in this season, that you will find the peace through him. And that as we daily learn to love him, that our love for him grows and our love for others grows that we can introduce our community, our friends, our family to the one who brings us hope. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for each person that is here this morning, each person that is joining us online, each person that is watching this service later, that you continue to move inside of their lives. For those in this room who are struggling with loving you, with loving others, with a peace internally inside of their lives, that your peace be known, that your Holy Spirit fills them, guides them, and provides a joy that only you can provide, an understanding that only you can provide, mercy that only you provide, and peace that only you provide. God, allow us to take each step of our lives loving you more each and every day, that as we learn to love you more, Allow each person in this room, including myself, to love others, to love our community more, so that we can share the hope that we have in you. 
God, I pray a prayer over each person in this room that this holiday season, that you anoint their conversations, you anoint their interactions with those within the community at stores as they're walking by, the conversations that just happen to be there that are arranged or unarranged. That you bless their words, you bless their conversations, you bless their demeanor, their actions, their minds in those moments. That your name could be glorified, that your hope could be presented, that your love can be seen and your peace to be known through each of them through each of us. God, we ask that you be with us this season as we celebrate your birth in a world where things are divided. You allow us as a church, as a body, to be those who bring unity to this community, to this world, and this township that you have called us in. That to you we can bring glory and honor and praise. Be with us until we come back next week as we seek to glorify you with all we say and all we do. In your name, everybody said, amen, amen. Well, Rock Grace, I hope you guys have a great rest of your Sunday afternoon. It's going to be a beautiful day, and I hope you get to spend it doing something you love as loving others and loving God. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.